This is the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. A pleasure to welcome Michael Barrett to the program, who's going to uh, tell us some interesting tales about the Erie Canal. How are you, Michael? I am very well, thank you, Bob. Okay. Michael Barrett Lovely is Executive Director oh. of the Hudson Mohawk Industrial Gateway. He was named uh, director, I believe, about four years ago. We'll hear more about the projects of the Mohawk, the Hudson Mohawk Industrial Gateway in a few minutes, but my understanding is that the Gateway operates Troy's Burden Ironworks Museums, organizes various tours of uh, Troy's Tiffany treasures, for example, and other things, was incorporated in 1972. I kind of came to uh, Michael through the back door, if you will. Uh, David Brooks, who's been on this program a couple of times from Schoharie Crossing State Historic Site up in Fort Hunter, uh, which was uh, the location of Erie Canal Locks, had written an article for the newsletter of Schoharie Crossing about something called the 16s. And you may be pleased to hear this, uh, Michael. I, I uh, communicated with David and I said, yeah, I'd like to interview about that. He said, look, I got uh, anything I have came from Michael Barrett at the Hudson Mohawk Industrial Gateway. Uh, the 16s, I, I understand, was a term used to talk about the locks on the old, old Erie Canal uh, between uh, Waterford, where it starts on the Hudson River, and, and a certain point. Uh, can you tell us more about it? Well, actually, if I may correct you for just one second there, Bob, uh, the, the term the 16s actually applies to uh, the second version of the Erie, which was the enlarged version that started in the 1830s. Uh, and, well, the construction basically continued until the um, uh, post-Civil War period. Um, it, real quick, the, the original Clinton's Ditch version of the Erie Canal traveled 363 miles from the Hudson River out to Buffalo uh, uh, and the Great Lakes. Uh, mm -hmm. It had 83 locks. It was such a huge success that um, within a decade of the completion of the Clinton's Ditch version, the state of New York realized they needed to expand it. They uh, enlarged the locks. They straightened out a lot of the pathway. Um, the enlarged version, when it was done, had reduced from 83 locks down to 72. Uh, the biggest cluster of those locks was located here, getting the canalers from the Hudson River level at Albany, Troy, and Waterford uh, up above the uh, Cohoes Falls. Um, and those locks, uh, which were located, uh, well, lock number three, which was at the, the juncta, the, um, the joining place of the Erie Canal and the Champlain Canal. The, mm -hmm. the first, the Clinton's Ditch version was up by uh, Dyke Avenue in today's Cohoes. The second version was moved south down to Maplewood. Um, it's actually located right at the old Spiax restaurant site and Maplewood School, both of which are now closed. But uh, that was the second juncta, and that was the location of lock number three. 
and then the locks uh, four, five, six, seven, all the way up to eighteen, which got you above the falls, were what were referred to as the sixteens. Mm. Now, and you were t- telling me that on, they, oh. you were telling me that they referred to it in a in kind of a nasty way. I mean, the canalers didn't like what happened well, on the sixteens. Yes, the term the sixteens was not a term of endearment. Um, for a canal man, um, a canal boat owner who is taking a trip from, say, Rochester, where he has loaded his boat with uh, grain and he's bringing it down to Albany, where it's going to be transshipped to New York City and hopefully Europe or wherever. Um, the difference, he's being paid the exact same amount of money, whether the trip takes him nine days or 10 days. And the 16s, the biggest cluster of locks uh, in a short distance that got you from the Mohawk above the Cohoes Falls down to um, water level, Hudson River level, uh, took an extra day. And so the term the 16s was usually accompanied by an epitaph of one sort or another that was not exactly a nice epitaph. Um, The 16s was a term of derision and disgust at wasting all kinds of time. Mm. And the uh, tenders of these locks kind of played favorites or something like that? Helped, Helped some canalers but not others? Yes. Um, In all commercial activity, and I know this will come as a huge surprise, um, people are prepared to pay for favoritism. And of course, if you know your Erie Canal uh, lore, um, you know, the biggest, strongest captain got priority. And those who weren't big and strong uh, understood the fact that cash, um, you know, could get you priority uh, on occasions with some of these people who were trying to support families. So, yes, there there were certainly um, elements of bribery and favoritism and, uh, and of course, um, well, not to go off on a real tangent, but the whole Maplewood Waterville area back then was known as the uh, the Barbary Coast because of the wide open nature of the canal business and the taverns and the other assorted activities that men who have been away from women favor when they have money in their pocket. I see. What were some of the things that the lock that people or the tender, if tenders is the correct word, would do to you or how how would they make your life maybe miserable? Well, uh, basically, um, you know, they could just assign you a lock through order um, or a, a priority that was down the list. Um, If I am operating uh, lock number 18 up in Cohoes and there are 12 boats waiting to pass through, um, the fact that they may be in a a semi uh, semblance of an order in line doesn't necessarily mean that that's the order that I'm going to lock them through. If, um, you know, I walk up the line and tell them boat number four has priority because um, I've decided that, 
you, you don't actually get to call the canal police department and because there is no such thing. I mean, right. in a sense, each lock tender was king of his own mini domain. Mm. So, you know, if, if captain number four in that hypothetical had made prior arrangements with me as lock tender, then of course, you know, my kids got a new set of clothes for Easter or whatever. Did they try to clean this up or to reform this uh, during oh. the time that the 16s were were running? Well, uh, yes. I mean, there were a number of attempts uh, over the years, uh, just as there are today. I mean, isn't ethics in the legislature one of our top uh, <laughs> issues? But, um, you know, welcome to um, capitalism in the American way. Um you know, sure, there were always issues and, you know, there were a number of attempts at cleaning this up. Uh, but of course, this is all prior to civil service and, you know, the other uh, major changes in, um, in well, uh, bureaucracy, if you will, administration of, of uh, governmental functions. So, if I, again, going back to the hypothetical of being lock number 18's tender, you know, if I have made sure that my assemblyman is sharing a little of um, my newfound ill-gotten gain um, by way of campaign contribution or otherwise, well, then my assemblyman may not exactly be supporting the ethical reform of the canal commissioners <laughs> never ends <laughs> <laughs> it is human nature it has been forever it will be forever now at this time were these canal boats still being pulled by mules or horses or were they motorized i mean they're steam well, driven uh, or motor motorization really doesn't come about until the third incarnation of the Erie, which is, uh, well, commonly referred to as the barge canal. We no longer use that uh, term in New York. It's now the New York State Canal System. But um, uh, starting about 1903, uh, even the enlarged Erie, the improved Erie, the second version, had uh, outgrown its capacity, and um, they redid the canal using uh, far more of the uh, Mohawk River channel proper rather than the double set of uh, locks and uh, canal path. There were still areas where you needed that uh, to get past the uh, lock port and, uh, well, the falls here in uh, Waterford um, uh, because the, the barge canal shifted the transportation system from uh, south of Cohoes over to Waterford, and that gave us what is known as the Waterford Flight of Locks today, mm. um, as opposed to the 18 locks that it took to get from Albany to above Cohoes Falls and the Mohawk River. Um, today, the Barge Canal has five locks that get you from 
um, the river level, Hudson River level, at Waterford up to the Mohawk River um, in Crescent. That is, those five locks are the highest lift in the shortest distance in the world. Really? Um, and I, I, it's embarrassing to say, I've never even seen that. Lift. Oh, um, sorry. How does it, how does it, are, are these locks like run right after the other, this flight of locks and you leave one and you enter the other one, next one almost immediately? Well, the, the five locks in the Waterford flight are spaced in uh, just a hair under two miles in length. So um, they're not immediately following each other. There's, um, I think the longest span, if I remember correctly, is just a hair under a half a mile between, I think that's number four and number five. But, um, you know, th there's some space in between them, but not an awful lot because, well, divide two by five and you, know, you come up with a half a mile. Um, okay. But, uh, yes, it, it does lift you from the 15-foot uh, elevation of the, uh, the mean uh, watermark at the uh, Hudson uh, up to 180 four feet, I think, is uh, um, mm. the height of, at the dam uh, at Crescent. Mm. And how uh, long did you say it now? The lift, it, I might can, add. The, the lift, how, that 169 feet, is actually uh, um, a greater than the entire lift of the Panama Canal. Really? And how long yep. does it take to go through the flight of locks today? Um, well, since it's largely smaller pleasure craft now, rather than the big cargo vessels, um, each lock passage is, uh, between 20 and 30 minutes. Um, so you're talking a process to get through the full flight of, um, roughly three hours, you know, depending on uh, whether the lock above you has been filled or emptied. Um, you know, if you are heading west and you lock through number two and lock number three is already filled waiting for traffic uh, to come downstream, then, of course, they have to drain that lock before you can go into it to be raised up the, to the next level. So mm -hmm. if you're lucky and the locks are all set um, in whichever direction you're going, filled or emptied, then you can get through a lot quicker. But if it takes an extra 15 minutes to empty the lock ahead of you, then you're going to spend another an extra hour. Okay. We're talking with Michael Barrett. He's executive director of the Hudson Mohawk Industrial Gateway. He's explaining to us uh, how the Erie Canal works, especially uh, in its uh, eastern uh, place, going from uh, the Hudson River uh, up to a point on the uh, uh, Mohawk River that today you do through a flight of locks. You used to uh, do it through a series of many more locks called the Sixteens and so forth. We'll be back with Michael in just a moment. I do want to put in a word for the Historians Podcast. Our 2017 fund drive is underway. 
We have our GoFundMe campaign. Uh, go to the following website, GoFundMe.com forward slash historians 2017. And they make it very easy for you to donate. And I'm happy to report we we get almost all of the money. Of course, they take a little bit for uh, the administrative expenses and so forth at GoFundMe. If you don't like uh, to do stuff online or uh, make financial commitments online and you still want to help the Historian's uh, podcast, the weekly uh, production here, uh, you can send a check. Make the check out to me, Bob Cudmore, and send it to 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. That's 125 Horseman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. Back to Michael Barrett of the Hudson Mohawk Industrial Gateway uh, talking about the Erie Canal. When I made my uh, goof at the start here and I um, said that this was uh, the 16s were the locking system uh, to get around the Cahoes Falls and or to raise the um, the canal up to the level of the Mohawk River, um, you said, no, this was in the middle version of the of the canal. How did they do uh, achieve that feat in the first version of the canal? Well, um, it was the same basic principle, uh, but it took uh, more locks than the enlarged version did. Uh, the original plan, and I'll, I'll go back, um, uh, of course, the canal started July the 4th, 1817 when they broke ground in Rome, New York, and then began building in both directions. Um, now, uh, I'll go off on a tangent here. Uh, one of the reasons that there was so much derision about the original Erie Canal was the sheer uh, uh, scale, the scope of this project. The longest canal existing in America at that time was 20 miles long and had four locks. Not a one of those locks exceeded 12 foot worth of lift from high water level to low water. So this proposal, which was to build a 363 mile long canal, and, uh, you know, if they had the best lift possible on every one of those uh, locks would have required 50 locks. This is why Jefferson says this is sheer madness. You know, we're, the federal government's not helping you with this. You can't do this. Well, as the engineers got at the project, it turns out you can't have 50 locks of 12 feet each because of the varying topography uh, along the route. They end up with 83 locks um, getting you up that um, 572 feet or whatever the, the full uh, range was. But uh, when they enlarge it and they reduce that number, um, you know, there's 72 locks from Albany to Buffalo and 16 of them are clustered right here. That's the whole issue. But in the original version, um, it took, uh, there were 20, 23 or 24 locks between the Mohawk just above the, uh, the falls and, uh, uh, to get you down to Albany. 
So even the 18 is still better than 23, I think is the correct number. Um, but nonetheless, it's still a, a huge cluster of time-wasting um, energy to get through this system to get you the last 180 feet worth of elevation change. Mm. Um, have you, so, yeah. I was going to say, have you traveled so the canal, gone in the canal or a boat from... Um, you know the Hudson uh, up. To- I I have gone as far as Amsterdam. Um, I have wanted to do a full blown canal trip since I was a boy. You know this earning a living thing just sucks <laughs> all the time out of my life, Bob. Um, I'm sure. You know it. Yeah. yeah, one day I'll retire. But yes, I, I desperately want, and you know what I really want to do? Every July they have a bike, the Erie Canal project, and I mm-hmm. would love to do that. Although I'm 64 now, so yeah. Well, <laughs> keep, keep at it, Michael. They have fallen off the list. Okay, we have a uh, you know a few minutes left. Um, I'd like to ask you about the Hudson Mohawk Industrial Gateway, give you an opportunity to wax eloquent about that. What What is it? Well, uh, the gateway was formed in 1972. Um, Reverend Tom Phelan, the Dean of Humanities at RPI, and uh, a group of um, historic preservationists basically wanted to save the Burden Ironworks office building where my office is as we speak. Um, they incorporated the gateway, Hudson Mohawk Industrial Gateway. They purchased the building from Republic Steel, the last hot metal owner of the building, um, who had vacated uh, the city in 1972. And slowly but surely, we have been turning this building into a viable museum. We celebrate the industrial heritage of the Capital District. There's a particular focus on Troy related only because that tends to be the things that we um, have acquired. We, we talk about the iron industry, uh, the steel industry that started uh, here in America in South Troy uh, in February of 1865, the first ever Bessemer steel plant in the New World. Um, we talk about bells. I am sitting in a one and a half mile radius of the four largest bell making concerns in the new world. It's estimated a hundred thousand bells were produced by those four makers. Uh, almost every major uh, bell, famous bell in American history, other than of course the Liberty Bell, that piece of British work that kept cracking. Uh, But the replacement Liberty Bell, the Centennial Bell, as it's officially called, uh, that hangs in Independence Hall as we speak, was made right here at 22 River Street in Troy, New York. 13,000 pounds. Um, It tolls the hour every day at Independence Hall in Philadelphia. We made the 2,000-pound Women's Liberty Bell in 1910 that the suffragettes used as a, a fundraiser 
and well, consciousness raiser as well as funding uh, for the passage of the 19th Amendment. You know, we've got 70 some thousand bells on a spreadsheet on our website. But uh, going back to our collection, we've got cast iron stoves, we've got steam engines, we have uh, the, the collar and cuff, the detachable collar and cuff industry was uh, born here in Troy in 1828, Anna Lord Montague. Um, by the turn of the 20th century, we had 10,000 plus women earning a living in Troy at a time when the prevailing attitude was barefoot and pregnant. We had hmm. 10,000 women <clears throat> earning a living. Um, I mean, this city was a boom town in the 19th century, early 20th century. Um, in, uh, I'll mention, in the 1840 federal census, not only are we the 16th largest city in the U.S., we were the fourth wealthiest on a per capita basis. Hmm. This city was rolling in money in the 19th century. Well, uh, where is the, where, where are you located or where's the museum located, the Burden Ironworks Museum? The, the street address is number one East Industrial Parkway, Troy. Uh, we're down in South Troy. We're just north of the Menands Bridge. I mean, if you're looking at a map, we're at the foot of Polk Street, but we no longer have a uh, rail crossing. The CSX rail line is out in front of the building, and um, uh, they removed the grade crossing because it was unregulated and therefore unsafe. So you need to come at us one block south um, and then come up East Industrial Parkway to get to our building. But, I mean, you can you know Google that or um, uh, mm -hmm. GPS. They're all pretty good. But, yes, street address is 1 East Industrial Parkway. And you're open like during the – what are your hours? open by appointment or dumb luck. Please don't rely on dumb luck. <laughs> okay. So, call, if all right, so if how I'm do people out reach of the building, you? Yes, you're out of luck. I see. So how do people reach you then to make an appointment to see all of this stuff? Well, uh, phone, uh, uh, which is 518-274-5267. Uh, our website is HudsonMohawkGateway.org. Uh, you can email through that uh, site uh, at Michael at HudsonMohawkGateway.org or info uh, at uh, also gets to me. Um, yeah, that's uh, pretty much, you know, um, how we do it. But okay. uh, this is and you've only got a, uh, one, a couple of. Oh, well, I've only, only got a couple of minutes uh, uh, left now, but the, our topic for most of the conversation, the Erie Canal and then the subsequent Barge Canal, I mean, that was really important to Troy. Oh, absolutely crucial. Um, it turned Troy uh, from a minor transportation nexus into a major transportation nexus. Um, we have flat water transportation, of course, uh, to the south. We are at the head of the longest tidal estuary on the east coast of the United States. Every day, twice a day, the tide rises and falls all the way up to the federal dam here in Troy. Uh, 1823, the Champlain Canal opens, which gives us flat water transportation to Canada. 
two years later, the Erie opens all the way to the Great Lakes. And despite Albany's claim to the contrary, the vast majority of shipping entered and exited the Erie Canal at the Troy side cut, not at the basin in Albany. Because, again, going back to, you know, the the fiscal considerations of the canalers, getting out into the river where you could be towed to Albany via a steam launch, uh, as opposed to spending another eight hours locking down to Albany, (laughs) time is money. Okay. Um, Michael, on that thought, it's time to to wrap it up. We've been uh, listening to Michael Barrett. He is executive director of the Hudson Mohawk Industrial uh, Gateway, which operates uh, the Burden Ironworks Museum. For information, uh, give them a call at 274-5267, area code 518. This is the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore.